be seated. Before reading from God's Word again, let's pray again and ask God's mercies on His Word today for us. Heavenly Father, we do pray for your mercies to us as we receive your word, that we would be attentive to it, that we would uh, find ourselves responding unto the glory of your name because of it, and that while it's but a few moments here as we hear from your word, that it might make a life-changing difference as we carry on through our lives in what we have to hear today from the scripture that we'll be reading. Thank you, Father, for the fruit of your spirit at work in your people, and good that we can talk a little bit this morning about the fruit of goodness to which you've called us in Christ. We'd ask that you would hear us in the name, the good name, the great name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to be taking a look this morning at Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. This is all still a part of the, it's interesting, I'm finding anyway, that I'm going to the Sermon on the Mount on on different occasions, whether it's catechetical preaching or whether it's... uh, looking at the fruit of the Spirit like we are today, again, looking at the fruit of goodness uh, to which we're called in uh, the Spirit of Christ uh, from Galatians chapter 5, and particularly in verse 22, we've looked at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and now we're up to goodness. And we look at this portion of God's Word that speaks about goodness from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 uh, through 20. We begin with verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. We thank God for this portion of his word, and we certainly pray that it may be a blessing for us to receive its ministry this morning. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder if now the boys and girls have just wrapped up, you know, like I said, there's so much to pray about. That's another thing I could have been praying about today is people wrapping up their school years. We'll we'll do that tonight. But if the boys and girls think about when they've been in school, uh, once in a while, that while they're there, something big happens there, some big change in somebody that they see. You know, it may be that, they, that, that there's a, a gal who had their hair down to here, and now they've cut it short, and you just go, wow, that's a big difference. Or somebody the day before was walking around free and easy, no problems at all, 
And the next day, you see them having a cast all the way up to their knee or all the way up to their hip. And you go, wow, that's, that's a big difference that's happened. That's pretty noticeable about that person. They can't hide that big difference in their lives. But you know, that's also true, boys and girls, about spiritual ways and spiritual things. You know, people spend a lot of time in our society, if you look around, and, and they want to look different. You know, they, they do certain things to their hair, they do certain things with their clothes, and it's like they're going, here I am, see how different I am. Because that's what's most important to them. They want to be different, and the only way they can think about being different is by what they look like on the outside, so that they can somehow be different before the world, so somehow people pay attention to that. But you know, there is a calling for you to be different than those around you, but it doesn't have to do with what you do to your hair, or what you do with your clothes, or what you do to your nails, or whatever it might be on the outside. It doesn't have to do with whether you broke your arm or not, so people will take notice. But, but people should notice something different about you. In the way you act. In what's in your heart. In how you live. In, and if you believe in Jesus, and you appreciate Jesus, and... It, that's something other people should be able to notice in you. And it doesn't, you don't have to change your hair to make that happen or color it somehow. People will notice you. And we should be able to see fruit on a tree that's supposed to bear fruit. We should notice that. And if we don't, then there's something wrong with the tree. And we can talk about believing in Jesus and we can talk to others about what they should believe. But one of the ways that we will really show that we really believe what we believe is the way we act. If you want to be different, be different for Jesus' sake. We've been talking about that anyway, haven't we? We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And this morning we're talking about the fruit of goodness and what it means in the Bible to display goodness. And uh, we, I hope you look forward to hearing more about that because it's going to speak to us about how we can be genuinely, righteously different from the world. Good's quite a general term for the most part, isn't it? I remember when I used to have to give speeches in high school, first few times I ever had to do that, right? And I think anybody who's ever had to give a speech you know, you're just, you're hoping that it'll be good. It'll be a good speech. And, you know, you get done with it and you're nervous and you're sweating about it. And then you sit down and then somebody has to critique your sermon or your, not your sermon, your speech. And uh, one of the first things they'll say if, if they're, because they're looking about when they're going to have to go up there and, and do their speech. One of the first things they'll go up there to do is say, well, I thought it was a good speech. And of course, you're relieved by that, but the teacher is not too happy by that because that doesn't tell you anything. 
So what do you mean that it was a good speech? What is it about that speech that was good? You've got to put some flesh to the bones. Now, it's all right to say that the speech was good, but that's not enough. It, it, it needs definition. And we'll need to give definition to goodness also when you hear about good fruit and, and goodness in Scripture. We can talk about somebody making a good play or a, a good meal, uh, but that doesn't mean that the person who did these things is necessarily a good person. Because we're talking about two different kinds of good that way. You and I are called to display goodness as part of the fruit of God's Spirit working within us. And by this goodness, we'll be displaying who it is that we're generally serving. And they'll know us by our fruit, bad fruit or good fruit. We're going to be displaying that we understand you know, what God's grace is truly all about in our lives when this fruit of goodness is found in our lives. Consequently, we'll be displaying good fruit for the benefit, not bad fruit for the destruction of others among the sheep of the Lord. That kind of destruction was what Paul wanted to avoid in his letter to the Galatians. He was afraid that people aren't, weren't producing the fruit of the Spirit, that they would destroy one another. One thing's for sure, people will know us sooner or later for our fruit, no matter who we are. By our fruit, others will know us. By others' fruit, we will know others, either good or bad. So we look at the bad fruit. We'll save the good for last. It's tempting to view this passage apart from verse 15. Sometimes it's, thankfully, in the way that this has been squared off in our passage, it doesn't do that. Because it's easy just to go to verse 16 and say, well, you'll recognize them, whoever them would be, by their fruits, and to leave verse 15 out of this. But we're, mo mostly, we're mostly concerned, it would seem, with the actions that take place in a person's life. <coughs> However, Jesus is first of all addressing false prophets here. That he knows arise, and he says they will arise, in the life of the church. And Jesus says, beware of them. We're not to be naive, in other words. If we think that the church will never be and has never been plagued with falsehood, then we don't have to keep our eyes and ears open for that. That plague will be the case until Christ comes again. We don't have to be paranoid now mind you, and, and we have to make sure that we, we aren't calling a wolf what isn't a wolf when it's not, because that causes its own destructive problems in our lives and other people. But false, false teaching does exist. It's not good, for instance, when people call the scriptures into question over whatever the matter is, because they think the word is outdated or out of touch. We should never deny the sufficiency of Christ's atonement, as if we have to do something on top of that. 
or deny the sufficiency of, of the Bible to govern our lives. Another thing for which we can be thankful, we had four young adults come and, and uh, talk about their faith in the Lord on Tuesday at our, or Wednesday at our elders meeting. And when I asked them, do you need anything else but the Bible to govern your life and your faith, they said no. And I thought, thank God that you say that. We should never deny that salvation is through faith alone and by Christ alone. But then how do you, yeah, how do you know a wolf is in the midst? Well, Jesus says, check, your, check his fruit. Check his fruit. Don't just check his actions, but what he's teaching. If he's teaching, great. You know what? Be thankful that you have somebody like that. If, if, you, if you have somebody who's, who's teaching the gospel in a world that doesn't know what the gospel is. But, but if he's a wolf, just watch what he teaches. Because that must not be missed here. The fruit includes the teaching, the speech, the the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the, his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. That's the parallel that we find of what we just read here in Matthew in Luke when it's talking about watch the fruit. Out of the abundance of the heart the person's mouth speaks. The fruit's in the teaching as well as in the action. The problem is, is that the wolf comes in sheep's clothing. He comes like an angel of light. If you get a cultist at your door, he'll speak in terms that sound good. You know, we're going to talk a little bit tonight about false witness and what you people, you don't hear that as much, I don't think today, but used to people talk about spin doctors, right? They'd spin everything uh, so that it would sound better and it would sound right when it wasn't. The psalmist in Psalm 55, verse 21 would say, uh, their words are smooth as butter, softer than oil, but they're there to destroy you. So there's this call to discernment. You, you don't just accept it because it's spoken or printed, right? You hear people telling you that sometimes, and they, you know, you, you Google something or whatever, and, well, here's the answer. Well, sometimes it's right, but you can't sit there and say, well, I read it on the internet, I heard it on the TV, so it must be right. <laughs> There's a lot of that that you might as well just throw out. Because the perspective is wrong. And you know, you, after a while, you know it's wrong. But it, 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 it sounds good to the masses and to the mob. You can't say everything is good. You realize that falsehood can be cloaked to seem good. So you must check out the teaching and run it up against the plumb line of the Word of God. And you don't just say, well, that's your interpretation, because then, then you're just leaving everything to relativism. You've got your way of looking at it, I've got my way of looking at it, and nobody really knows what's right. There's right for you, there's right for me, but there's no right. And so what's right for you isn't right either. And you may be tempted to say, well, there's people that are, are moral people and, 
And you got to appreciate that about these, these particular people. People do that with Latter-day Saints, right? They do that with Mormons. Boy, they got nice families. And they believe in a family. Well, Mormonism must be pretty good then. But it's not. You got to look closer. You got to notice the fruit of the teaching. You got to know why they have families and, and why they're motivated to be the way they are. The purpose behind things and then have to be noticed. And then you'll see that the fruit of teaching is not always as good as you may think. In fact, the actions aren't because they're not motivated properly. You know, many years ago, I remember we, as a family, had a chance to go to British Columbia. And it's a tough, we always wish we could do more of that to get out to Margaret's side of the family that's out there, and it's just a challenge to do it. But we did it. And I remember, you know, you know, British Columbia has a lot of cherries, right? Just like the state of Washington has a lot of cherries. You know, we were there, and, and we were picking cherries from a tree behind uh, her brother's house. And boy, did they ever really look good. We hadn't seen cherry trees before. I, I know we have some in our congregation here, but we hadn't, we hadn't at that time ever seen cherry trees. And so we thought, boy, this is going to be great. So we sliced them up, and you know what we found in them? I'm glad we didn't eat any of them, but we found maggots. Thought, okay, no, now we know why there's so many cherries on this tree. Nobody's picking them because they're not worth eating. They look good, but not everything that looks good is good. And that's true about certain teachings. We live in a day and an age where it doesn't seem to matter what somebody teaches because we want to say that there is more to what's good than good teaching. There's a good life that has to go with it. But a good life will never come without good teaching. And if we are not concerned about good teaching, if we don't think you know, call it what you want, call it instruction, call it doctrine, call it teaching. If we aren't concerned about that, says Jesus, we are going to be chewed up like sheep by wolves. He calls them ravenous wolves. Because all that you do then won't mean squat. False prophets are the kind that are more concerned about the praise of men than the praise of God. They know that the hard things to say sometimes are the, uh, or, or, or the true prophets know that the hard things to say sometimes are the right things to say. But they're more concerned, are these false prophets, to have you hear what they want you to hear or, or hear what you want, that you want to hear than what you need to hear. As church members, we need teachers who are willing to teach us what we need to hear about home life and married life and sin and salvation and the service of God and the life of the church and our present and our past and our futures. And as parents, we need to be people who see to it that we teach our children and have them taught by others what they need to hear about the gospel, about the world through the word of God. And if we don't do that, then we have nothing but bad fruit to eat and wolves to tear us apart. And yet, 
Bad fruit is not just found in, of course, what is taught, but in what is done. Even those, even with those who look good on the outside, when you look closely, when one will see, you'll see the motive behind the conduct, and then one will know that the conduct is not good. And if we wait long enough, the real motives will be displayed in time, says Jesus, in words and deeds. Though people may try to hide their true colors, their true colors will come out. You can't hide them forever. John Calvin once said that there's nothing more difficult than to counterfeit virtue. There's nothing more difficult than to counterfeit virtue. It's hard to be a phony. We need to be genuine as parents and leaders and models because sooner or later, our true colors come out either for hurt or for help. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount helps us flesh out what that bad fruit resembles. It's the showy motivation behind praying and giving and fasting, which is going again, you know, look at me, look how great I am. The, the Sermon on the Mount would speak to us about whether our love is just for the friend, but also for the enemy. Whether we're persistently dissatisfied with life, if that's what life is always all about for us, or lustful looks, or infidelity, or vengeance, or somebody whose word just can't be trusted. Evil in contrast with good shows an enviness, stinginess, and a lack of benevolence and grace. Giving but never beyond what's asked or required. I'm just going to do what they tell me. Get right to the limit and that's about it. I'm not going the extra mile. Never being desirous of going that extra mile. Uh, last week we spoke about the evil eye that refuses to, to let in the light of the gospel and, it, and what it does then, it leads to that envious, tight-fisted life where one cannot reflect the grace and goodness of God toward others because it hasn't valued the grace and the goodness of God in one's own life. The parable of the laborers in Matthew 20 have this for a theme where a laborer who works long is envious of the master's grace in, in how he pays those who have worked only a short time. And that envy is bad fruit. A lifestyle that doesn't know grace in giving because it doesn't sense what God has already given and what he will give is typical. You don't appreciate the grace and good of God. Envy is your life. And that evil is not what we should want to model and it is not what we should want to see in others. It should not be what our children see of us. It should not be what we want others to see in us otherwise, particularly if we're called to lead and parent. Because what it does is it shows no sign of the goodness of God. And our children need to see in this world of ours the goodness of God at work. And it starts at home. This is really a challenging passage for us. What fruit are people seeing? What changes have occurred in our lives in response to the gospel?
that makes our lives noticeably different. Not the, not the nails, not the color of the hair, not the pants, not the shoes. If we see no changes on a spiritual level in our lives, no signs of God's grace at work, that's not good. And so Jesus says, be careful because fruitless lives aren't worth following. You, you think so. You think that all that matters is what you look like on the outside, and that's worth someone's attention. It is not. That's a fruitless life. And Jesus says that life is not going to be worth living and it's going to end up in judgment, in fire. John the Baptist says in Matthew 3, keep bear, or bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Because every tree that doesn't bear fruit is thrown in the fire. God calls us not just to faith, but to faith that bears fruit. And that shows itself in good fruit. And that is our second point. is with the bad fruit, it's seen in teaching and living, doctrine and life. You don't have one without the other. It does involve teaching. And again, if it, whatever church that you, to which you belong, what you should be looking for if you're thinking about, well, I'm thankful that I belong to this particular church, the first thing that should be on your mind about why you're glad you belong to that church is if that's a place where people are teaching the truths of the faith. And they're not ashamed to teach them. Either to those who belong to it or those who do not belong to it. And they're not going to use gimmicks to try to get people in because gimmicks are not what saves. And they may not be popular with the world, and we are not popular with the world if we're Christians right now. Too bad. Too bad. We should not be ashamed of the gospel. And that's what we should be looking for in our churches. Because otherwise... Why go to church? If you're finding in your church nothing different than what's out in the world, then why belong to the church? You don't need to do that. There's nothing different from it from the world. We ought to be thankful when the whole counsel of God gets taught, whether we're talking about the call to missions, or to Christ, to generosity, forgiveness, pure living, Productivity, praise, prayer, discernment, knowledge, to persevere under trial, to have joy and peace and patience. The call to contentment and mercy and faith, to care and compassion. The call to submission, the call to sacrifice. Something a lot of people do think about on a weekend like this. The call to believe in providence and the sovereign grace of God and God in the presence of our lives every day. The call to see how the teachings of Scripture concerning God and Christ and the Spirit and mankind and the church and creation and the end times have their impact 
on our everyday walk with the Lord. The call to the wayward to recognize that not everything is good. And that repentance is a good thing. But that's presuming then, isn't it, that there's good and evil. And a need to heed the Word of God. And to take it seriously and obediently. And not to say, go and sin some more, but go and sin no more. Even when the world would like to say that that mentality of go and sin no more is outdated. Or if the world wants to ignore it altogether. We've said historically that the marks of the church include the preaching of the word. Well, if that's the fruit that you see displayed in where you go to church, then you need to be thankful. And if it's not there, then the wolves have to be removed. Throw them out on their ear. Because they want to tear the sheep apart. But there's also the life side. There's the, there's the generous side that way. Barnabas was a good man. And why was that? Because he gave for the good of the fellowship. And he was the son of encouragement, they called him. As he exhorted new believers to continue in the faith. He came alongside of them and supported them. Dorcas was called good because she gave to those in need. And there are other expressions of this as well. The poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, those who settle matters quickly with their adversaries and hold no grudges lasting, those who are faithful in marriage, whose word can be trusted, who love their enemies, who are not worried about whether other people know about their good deeds or not, but are more worried about what God sees. But it's a good question to ask. Are those the kind of fruit that people are seeing in us? Are those the kind of fruit of the people that, that we're imitating and, and following and that we consider important and from whom we're learning? What a challenge for parents and leaders, isn't it? To realize how important that you can say that the grace of God in Jesus Christ has touched your heart so much that the fruit of goodness is bearing forth in your life, not just for everybody to see, for your kids to see, for your children to see. Jesus said, by their fruit you'll know them. How do they know us? What do they recognize? Is all that's important our hair and our nails and our legs and our pants and, and whatever it is that we're wearing so people will see it? Are we something worthy to follow? Somebody who's been touched by the Spirit of Christ, the Savior, so people say, well, that, that's really different. What will be said of us? As we stand before the Word and as we stand before others, can it be said of us, there goes a good man. When I think of so-and-so, that's a good woman. In the way that he teaches, the way that he acts, the way he leads, the way he displays himself, the way he conducts himself, 
He's true to the word. He's open of heart and of hand. There goes a, a person who's been touched by the goodness of God in his life through Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. May that be on display for everyone to see in us. For their sake, for their benefit, but most importantly for Jesus' sake, whom we're called to confess and to show that He has been so good to us. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray to the Lord. Father, when creation came to be, everything you made was good because you were good and you are and you will be and you always have been. You're good and great and gracious. And when we look into our lives and we're called to see what kind of fruit that's bearing there, You've called us here again to be mindful of the fact that we have to be cautious about what we receive in teaching and what we follow in life because there's plenty of bad fruit out there, plenty there that's out there to destroy us. But Lord, we, we would pray that for ourselves that we might be led by good teaching, by gospel teaching, a gospel teaching that points our direction to your goodness, that of your Son, that of your Holy Spirit. So much so, dear Father, that not only do we receive it in joy, but we want to replicate it. We want to uh, imitate it. Show to the world something different. Not just simply what's on the outside so that people will notice us that way, but that they'll notice us. Because your goodness your gospel, your good news has been given to us and we appreciate it and we value it and we want to be like it. So people in a bad world can see something different to your glory. May that be so of us, Lord. May that be what people see in us and of us for the sake of Jesus. Amen.